You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon coming to you from downtown Toronto. I'm accompanied by my DJ partner in crime, The Wasteland. And we have a couple of special guests today coming to us from Boston. Yep. Uh, I'm Tony, uh, DJ Arcanus. Um, I'm Juliet, DJ Motia. And both Juliet and Tony were the organizers of Convergence last year in Boston. Yes, uh, with, with two other people, um, with, with Amy Black and Jared Helfer. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to take on Convergence? Ah, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Did you pour yourself some wine? Are you ready for this conversation? (laughs) Wine is 100% poured into the glass and partially done me already. Yep. Um, So, I mean, Convergence involved threading a lot of needles between tradition and new stuff and trying to bring some like new blood into the scene um, while at the same time honoring aesthetic, musical, historical, cultural um, factors that had been in play for, you know, 25 years. So um, it was a really um, onerous task um, that um, ended up being really, really rewarding. But it was it was definitely a lot of work. And it was, I guess it just helped me recognize the diversity of how many different ways there are to be goth and how much really cool new music there is out there. And like, oh, I thought I knew all this stuff, but it turns out I was kind of a moron. So it ended up being really educational as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> Neat. So if if somebody were thinking of bringing Convergence to their town, what would you say is number one thing to watch out for? Like, what was what do you think was an easy mistake that you're like, oh, man, I should have seen that coming? Well, one of the things that we tried to be really good about was um, figure out your budget ahead of time and try your best to stick to it. We had a pretty good idea going in what we should bring in and what we were willing to pay in terms of like bands or, you know, like vendor space, um, et cetera. Uh, we also got a really good deal with uh, with the venue. So um, there, there were a lot of costs that other committees might have to pay for that either we didn't have to or we got like a super big discount on uh, being able to, to do it. So we were able to um, kind of shift money around to like spend more money on bands than um, we would otherwise. And it was important to get the um, support of the community and enlist a lot of help from like friends and any favors that uh, that we could pull in. Well, yeah, I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with asking for help, uh, especially in such a gra- uh, such a grand undertaking. Plus, last year was kind of a special year. Um, in that, who else were you up against as far as the bids for Convergence? Because for folks who don't know anything about Convergence, it's a it's a festival that travels from city to city through North America and has been doing so for the past 20 plus years at this point. So interestingly, what ended up happening was a lot, we heard a lot of rumors that other people were going to be putting up bids, but they never ended up materializing. So we were actually up against no convergence at all. 
Um, although we had heard rumors that other cities had been about to try for convergence. I don't know what happened to those bids or whether it had just been rumored, but actually like um, all of those, none of those bids came to light by the time the bids came up. So you essentially saved convergence by being the host. I mean, or they knew that we were doing it and decided that we had a bigger budget or something. Maybe they knew. I don't really know. I mean, one of these years, Booze Pants, which is uh, no convergence at all, might win, I suppose. I mean, that that joke's been there for most of two decades. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's so goth, like nihilistic, like, oh, or we have the choice of ending it all. And I I really enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I used to actually vote for booze pants once in a while because I was like, I'm I wanna like put in a vote, but I'm also impartial to what city I'll end up in because I'm just gonna go regardless of, of where where um you, of which city has it. Um but then after a while I was like you know what? Like I probably have a preference. I should pick the city that I actually want to go like visit. <laughs> Back to mistakes that we made, because I don't want to make it sound like we didn't make a whole bunch. Um, I definitely feel like having the vendors so far from the venue like cause problems, especially with the earlier start times. I just feel like we tried to cram too much in. And even though the vendors in the venue were relatively close, like it wasn't close enough that you could go shopping and then like still see the first band. And I found right. be a like I really wasn't thinking. I was thinking, oh, there's there magically won't be traffic in downtown Boston at like six thirty on a Friday night. Like sort of boneheaded of us, yeah, I think. That's not, I've heard that before though. No traffic in Boston. Nobody goes there. <laughs> <laughs> Small town. No colleges at all. <laughs> so like we had um, a massive number of people come from New England um, for Convergence. And that was a double-edged sword with the hotel and the vendors. Because oh, yeah. if, if if you have like a lot of support from your local community, they are going to um, sleep in their own beds. If they come in town for the entire weekend, it's likely that they have many friends in town who they can stay with and not pay to stay at the hotel. So having people, having a lot of the attendees spread out throughout the 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 city um they would have to make a special trip during the day to come to the hotel just to go to the vendor room that, that that's why we structured a lot of events at the hotel or or, or near the hotel to try and draw people there because as much as there were plenty of out-of-town people like it was probably like a pretty like close split between like out-of-town and and, and local um, if the locals didn't outnumber the out-of-town people. So, oh, wow. so, 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 you know, it's like, yay, lots of local people or, or, or like local New England people, boo, they're not at the hotel where they can just go downstairs and like go shopping or, 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 or go to like whatever event we have in like the con suite. Gotcha. So just to step away from that and for more for our fans, uh, Beyond Convergence, uh, Tony and Juliet also run Exiled Radio on Twitch. So did you guys, like, did you DJ book together before, in the before times? Or was that just purely, hey, we're locked in the house, let's do this for fun? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been doing Exiled Radio uh, since 2009. And for many years, uh, I would basically, uh, you know, produce one hour shows um, at home and I would just, you know, DJ live into equipment and just, you know, record, you know, whatever my whatever my set is. And I would, you know, post once a week. Uh, I had a couple of people who, who were 
Um, also DJs on staff who would submit shows, uh, you know, like once a month or once every couple of weeks, you know, whatever our, our arrangement was. But life got a bit busy after a while and I started doing far fewer shows. And before the pandemic, I think the two years before that, I may have done like three or four shows total. And when the pandemic hit, immediately I was like, we should, we should do this. Like the two of us should, um, you know, do this through Exile Radio. Like, it, you know, I kind of like left that to, you know, do nothing for a while. Um, and we were looking for a platform to do it originally. I was just going to like do it through Facebook because it was just easier. But when I tr tried some test broadcast, it would throttle the uh, low ends of any song within 10 to 30 seconds. And this is before like everybody else started DJing. This was like the first couple of days of the pandemic before everyone's like, I'm going to get on Facebook and start streaming. And a friend of mine um, was like, why don't you try Twitch? And I was like, I thought that was just a gaming platform. He's like, no, no, I have an account there. Like you should. How we all knew. <laughs> yeah. So, so like literally like 30 minutes before our first show on Twitch, I created an account, downloaded OBS and gave it like a quick, like, you know, two minute test. I'm like, okay, this works. And, um, and, and it was a go. Um, but Many years ago, um, a friend of ours was bartending at local venue, and they were looking for people to come in and do nights in their uh, kind of upstairs lounge space. Not many years ago. It's like five years ago. Well, it's still <laughs> many that. more than two. So five years back. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had an idea to to do like not just not like typical like club music uh just because you know th there's just so many like pure dance nights out there like you know we can have some dance but like i want to play other stuff you know i want to play like um you know like idm and shoegaze and like neoclassical and you know like dark ambient you know what wh whatever just not not just like straight up like dance and i feel like juliet and i have very uh, similar uh, musical tastes for the most part. Um, we have like a lot of overlap, but then we each specialize in a whole bunch of genres that the other person likes, but isn't like an expert in. And I was like, in order for, for this night to work for what I want to do, I need somebody else to kind of bring in that expertise. And I was like, if you want to do this, like I will show you how to DJ and we can like have this night. So um, we started a night called uh, Resonance uh, at once Somerville, and we did that for a few years. And so she was my co-DJ for like, I think like a year and a half, two years that that, that went on. Mm -hmm. and, and since then, you know, we've DJed together a bunch like at, at, at clubs doing dance nights and all that. And so it made sense that if we were going to do Exiled Radio here in, pan in the pandemic, you know, that we both just, you know, get on and have fun. Oh, that's so great, and and you're DJing now twice a week on uh, on Twitch because you're on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of like extra practice for me because we we were really like after resonance like stopped. You know, Tony and I were mostly. I mean, we DJ together sometimes, but we also had a kid, so we were mostly going out and DJing like one gig a month each of us, like you know, for like an hour or two or whatever. So now all of a sudden we ha we're like, we have to be sharp all the time and um, have to like not repeat songs. <laughs> and it's a whole thing. Actually, the, the not repeat songs thing, like 
there I've logged on to lots of streams where, you know, like I hear um a lot of the same music being played, you know, stream after stream and the not play the same songs or, you know, kind of like s- spread out playing repeating the same band if if possible uh so that it's not just like the same, you know, 30 bands every week or two. Um, like th- that's something that was really important to me when I started Exiled Radio. And I do this a lot when I play out too. Like I, I just want to play different artists and different songs all the time. I don't want to be playing the same music like every time I play out. If other DJs want to do that, like that's cool. That's their thing. But I feel like there's so much good music. There's so many good bands. I, I want to spread out that airtime to as many artists as possible. That you sound a lot like you remind me a lot of myself when uh, Laura and I started Prophecy. I think I said something very similar to Laura when we first started talking about it. And uh, I remember her telling a friend that she felt a lot of pressure to play new, new, new. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. not new, just not the same tired crap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't yeah, have to be new if it's a deep cut. Yeah, that's true. And it's definitely a debate we've had about what is the right amount to repeat a song or because I've worked on not repeating stuff, but then I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit where it's like, well, maybe this is worth repeating because people are, are still learning this because it's something that's obscure or it's something that is brand new and people are just learning, oh, this just came out like last week. So uh, giving people that exposure to a certain band. Because you're right, it's it's nice to have that variety and to give a bunch of different artists the airtime instead of playing the same 30 tunes uh, every week. Yeah. Yeah, but like, and again, there's sort of eternal DJ question of how much do, are you there to educate and how much are you there to scratch an itch for someone? Yeah. Right? And you have to sort of like thread that needle as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. Like, I generally go with, if if somebody makes a request, for a song, and even if I, even if we played it like last show, I I will happily repeat it because somebody says I want to hear this song. If they say I want to hear this song, like you know, like three or four shows in a row, I might be like, Hey, can we like you know give it a break for a week or two? Can I play something else for you? <laughs> but generally, if somebody asks for 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 something, I'll I'll play it. Um, and, and it doesn't matter like if you know uh, if I played it recently and. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we we want to highlight a particular album uh, or artist, and we're just like really into to them. So they're just going to get a bit more rotation uh, for for a few shows, and you know that 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 that's fine. Like we, we don't have any like hard rules. They're just guidelines that we go by um, that we're free to break whenever we want. Cool. So are there bands on your uh, absolutely will not playlist? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dish. Come on. More than yes. <laughs> oh, um, so, so Combi Christ, just for their like blatant misogyny and flirtation with fascism. They're not. So. They're, they're on my list. Actually, somebody mm-hmm. requested that from me, what, two, three weeks ago? I forget what it was. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't I don't play bands that are. Rumored to be white supremacists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like the whole lot of them, you know, like, like, because like Sebastian Comor is also, you know, not the nicest guy and like, you know, has spent a good number of um, tweets like 
uh, making fun of trans people, I believe, whatever it was, like, you know, he kept doubling down. And, you know, it's just part of the whole like group of comedy Christ people, which bums me out because I really, really like the Icon of Coil project. That's like my favorite project of like all of those. And, you know, they're no longer on the laptop. Like we don't play like Nachtmar. Like I've met Thomas. I've played in this club. Um, That was years ago. Uh, There's just too much Nazi shit, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I know like that he's looking at it from like a really like, you know, oh, this is like a really like tongue in cheek thing. But I'm also sort of like sick of people like making it, making Nazis tongue in cheek or whatever, because there are people who are taking it seriously. There are just a larger percentage of people who are taking it seriously than people who would even understand tongue in cheek Nazis, if that's even a thing. Yeah. Um, and like, and that's the thing, like we, Tony and I once attended this show and we're getting so off topic now, we once attended this show where, um, it was like, it was like a neo-folk show and the bands that were playing were not Nazis, but the opening bands who wanted to be them like were, <laughs> um, uh. and it was really off and it was like local too. It actually brought out some of the local talent and we were like, wow, like they're among us. That's nice. Like it was really uncomfortable and scary and revelatory and it made me think even more like 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 there is such a thing as like an incitement to violence. And again, I'm all for free speech, um, but I don't have to like to play Nazi music and I don't. So <laughs> there you go. No, that's that's great. Yeah. I actually have a I have a friend who every time he discovers he, he dabbles with industrial and every time he finds a new band he likes, he messages me and he goes, are these people shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah there's a it's about 50 there's 50 enough music out there. Yeah, there's enough music out there that you don't have to support a shitty artist because they're shitty people. Yep. Um, overall, like, I, I just don't even, like, listen to most neo-folk a- a- anymore because, like, it's just so filled with those kinds of people. And there are there are a lot of people who are listening to pagan folk and trying to, like, co-opt that now, which really pisses me off because, like, I like pagan folk way more than I ever like neo-folk. So now, like, I have to, like, do research on, like, every freaking band, like, I buy that has goddamn runes, like, in their on their like, Bandcamp page or whatever. Um, They're doing that all of paganism. I can't even buy a crystal nowadays. It's really upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it sucks that on Bandcamp, you can't actually remove releases um, that you've purchased. You can hide them um, so that other people can't see that um, that you own those releases. Um, so I actually messaged Bandcamp and said, hey, can you remove, like, all of the um, releases that I've purchased from this artist. Like, I don't want my money back. I didn't know anything about this person when when I had, you know, paid for the music. You know, like, fair is fair. I just don't want someone to go to this artist's page and see that, like, I supported them by paying money, even if, like, they go to my page and it's not there. And, like, somebody from support had to, like, go on the back end and, like, delete, like, all these releases for me. <laughs> I was like, thank you. But... You know, like you can't just like easily remove them on Bandcamp. Unless- That's pretty amazing, though, that they went there and yeah. uh, and did that for you, though. Uh, another reason why we love Bandcamp. Like we spend a lot of money on Bandcamp every month. Like, <laughs> uh, like, I wouldn't know I, anything I, I, about I know, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was listening to one of your shows where uh, you guys were like, oh, yeah, you know, like after our Friday show, we have like an hour to like buy stuff on Bandcamp or two hours or, you know, whatever that small window is. Because there are a lot of times when um, I cut out early on your shows 
it's because I have to go listen to stuff on Bandcamp before three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good reason. That was definitely. I I support that reasoning. That's a good reason to bail out. That's cool. Yeah, that was one of the biggest uh, points for us to be on Fridays because Friday's certainly a busy night to be streaming. But at the same time, we wanted to be able to feature uh, artists available on Bandcamp and say, yeah, if you like this, go and directly support that artist. Yeah. Although every night, uh, Thursday nights are, are a pretty busy night to be streaming. And there's at least somebody DJing on uh, on Twitch every night of the week. And the upside of this pandemic with everybody being home is that we've been able to tune in to DJs all over the world. And and this is where it's really fortunate and lovely to be able to tune into what's happening in your neck of the woods on uh, Thursdays and Sunday nights. Oh, we really appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening. And also having us here today. Yes. Thank you for that as well. <laughs> Well, I mean, your guys' stream, I think, is in part what got Laura and I moving towards Twitch. Oh, so, holy crap. I didn't even know that. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Because you were one of the earlier uh, broadcasters on Twitch, and uh, and we really like what you do because you are playing very interesting music. So, And I think that helped us get over the hump because um, earlier this year, we had had a um, prophecy scheduled for... April 9th. I have a stack of flyers still sitting here with that date. And uh, we were we were scheduled to DJ and said, well, we're not doing it in a venue, but why can't we do it online? And uh, yeah, again, it was a matter of getting over that learning curve and, uh, you know, putting on OBS, installing OBS onto our machines and uh, hooking things up and going, okay, let's see if we can do this. And then figuring our first... And figuring out how to do it from two separate locations. That yeah. was the hardest hurdle. So I remember tuning in to that first one and, and you guys were like trying to like switch between DJs and, you know, we were all like, like refreshing and being like, oh, there's like no video or anything. And it was just this huge learning curve for, 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 for people. And like, there were so many people who, uh, you know, have streams where they have multiple DJs. And, and at first everyone's just like, how are we going to? do it so it's seamless and, and and now it seems like everyone has the hang of it but it took a while to get there and i'm not sure if um it if the technology was there where 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 where, where you could have stream keys for everybody or if that was a thing that was created once there were once there was all this demand on twitch to be able to uh, make it easier to switch between people I think it was there already because there were streams with gamers that would have uh, multiple people playing the same game. Got it. You know, being fed in at the same time from different locations. So it was just a matter for us of the learning curve. And credit to Justin for kicking us in the ass in the right direction. Not not to like pat us all on the back, but I mean, I don't know if you guys are as old as I am, but I think that it's been so good, like intergenerationally for us to like learn to use a platform like Twitch and learn like streaming stuff. Because I think that like a lot of people like 10, 20 years younger than I am, at least, you know, for them, it's a lot more like intuitive and natural. Um, And I think it's cool that we sort of were, I mean, the pandemic isn't cool, but I think it's kind of cool how we were forced to kind of learn that language and learn that way of being in that paradigm. Yeah. And I mean, 
But then again, this kind of ties back to Convergence because Convergence was a festival of net goths. And some of us that were in those earlier uh, Convergence committees and and went to those early Convergences, we were the, the... the first little crew of goths who adopted the internet and started all those groups. And there was alt.gothic and, and using IRC and, and talking to other people and, and finding out about what was going on in scenes all over the place. So I think it was kind of a, a good, I think the, the, the thinking was already there for, for a lot of us to kind of parlay into this. Cause yes, it's, some of us old farts are, are figuring out our technology and, and may not be as quick with it as uh, as some younger folks are. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been great to be brought together, and the connections that are happening at this time have been really good. Being able to see what other people are doing and check in on others and 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 getting to meet others, it, it has been a really wonderful experience during this time. So what we're doing now on on Twitch, where we're broadcasting live, this was sort of what I wanted to do with Exiled Radio when I first started it. Um, I just looked up when Twitch launched, and it's 2011. So it's two years after I started um, doing Exiled Radio. At first, I was like, you know, what if I find a way to have people like log into like a Linux box or whatever, like in, in my home, you know, like it was like, I'm going to run my own server and all that. And it was just, it was too much. Like I, I, I hate being a Linux admin. So, so once I put some thought into it, I was like, nope, I'm just going to like record this and like, you know, put this up and kind of have a player. So once we started broadcasting on Twitch um, earlier in the year, I was like, this was kind of like the original concept where there would be an audience, like a live audience and not just me like, you know, recording my stuff live and then posting it without, you know, any sort of edits. And it's been great. Like we have a community going and um, I've met a lot of new people uh, through that. And there are many people who have a lot of social anxiety about going out, but they really, really love music and they just want to listen at home or dance at home by themselves. And now they can, like you said, like log into a stream any night, any day of the week and find music that, that they like. Um, I can listen to like European streams like during the day um, at work because they're six, seven hours ahead, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's great. Yeah. Some of the stuff coming out of the UK and Germany and being able to tune in those shows in the afternoon has been very cool. And it, you don't have to buy a plane ticket to you know, fly all the way. Right. <laughs> Do you think you're going to keep it up when things normalize, whenever that may be? Our plan is to, and we have lots of plans and also a toddler, so things change, but um, our plan is to, um, once the world has returned to something like normal, um, at least do once a week and try to see if we can keep that going. I mean, maybe the whole atmosphere will change and it will no longer be welcome, but maybe we can carry the like better parts of the pandemic forward, like the parts that we learned from forward and people will actually like want to keep going with it, which would be really cool for us. I hope that our audience agrees. Yeah, I think that the landscape has already changed and there'll definitely be people who will just drop out and be like, great, now I can like, you know, go out and go to clubs again. But I think though, the idea has been put into people's heads that you can listen to music that you like, whether it's Twitch or Mixcloud or, or wherever, wherever 
online and have a community around that. And I think that there'll still be people tuning in. So uh, we're at least going to, you know, give it a shot and see where that goes. As a footnote, we planned, I think, all of Convergence uh, while Juliet was pregnant and then like we had a kid. So like not only did uh, our committee uh, have to do that, but the two of us also had to, you know, be parents, like brand new parents um, while putting on a show for a weekend, which was crazy. Somewhere there are pictures (laughs) Adrian hates from Diary of Dreams, like holding my baby, which is the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, you guys did a uh, convergence on hard mode then, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I think the Boston traffic was still more challenging than the toddler. <laughs> yeah, we, we we flew my mom out for, for two weeks and she came with us to the hotels like on uh, at least Saturday, if not Saturday and Sunday um, to like help watch the baby <laughs> while uh, we were doing stuff in the hotel. Um so th- she was invaluable that that weekend. It, it would have been impossible to. She was like the fifth committee member. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Actually, yeah. A couple of extra committee badges. We should give her one. Yeah, we absolutely should. <laughs> so, what I wanted to also ask is about just the, the general Boston area and what the scene is like there. Because your community through Exiled isn't just uh, the Boston area. There is a there are a lot of folks that are local, but um, how would you describe your community? I think we have a pretty strong community. Um, it's I mean it's hard to say. Like there's a lot of stuff is closed down now, and we don't know in what form it's going to return because bars and clubs are suffering right now. But before the lockdown, um, we had a situation where we didn't have any like huge, huge nights, but we had moderate sized nights and we pretty much had things going on most nights of the week. If like between like Boston and um um and, and New Hampshire, which is drivable from us and Rhode Island, um, you could pretty much like any weekend night find a gothy thing to do. And then like also Mondays and then when was the cellar door? Was it Tuesday, Tony, or was it Thursday? I know they switched it. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. It, 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 it bounced around between Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Um, but yeah, like it, if you were to take Boston as the central point in New England and um, basically uh, draw a two-hour radius around Boston, you could hit um, Portland, Maine. Um, you could hit all of Rhode Island. Uh, you can get out to Western Mass, uh, Southern New Hampshire, um, Connecticut. So there were a lot of nights that you could go to if you were willing to drive up to two hours away, which there were a lot of people who do, <laughs> or, or at least did. There was, a, I think, a monthly night up in Burlington, but that's like four hours away or something. That, that, that's too far. But almost every night of the week, there was something depending on like the, you know, which week of the month it was because there there were a lot of monthlies. But most of the nights were most of the nights of the week were covered at least by monthly, if not a weekly. Um so there was a good amount of there were a good amount of clubs going on here in New England. Um and Boston definitely had a pretty uh, thriving scene. And like Juliet said, you know, there were there was probably like two like fairly big nights where, where they had um a few hundred people. Um, but then like the other nights were, were much smaller, but had really strong, loyal uh, supporters. We just had 
uh, a couple of clubs uh, permanently close here, um, which is a really big bummer. So I don't know what's going to happen like once the pandemic is over enough that clubs can open again. Because um, I don't know if the promoters will look for new places or just say they're they're done. The criticism that we have of the Boston scene perpetually is that even though people will go to club nights, they tend to not um, go to shows as much. And so they'll go to your club night and they'll dance to this band and be so obsessed with this band, but like not obsessed enough to go to their show the next week, which um, was also a hard, like something that we were trying very hard to like prevent from repeating itself when we did Convergence. Um, But that's one of the things that I wish more for the Boston scene. Like I wish that they would just like put their money where their mouth is as far as like actually supporting the bands directly and not just swirling around on the dance floor when they like what one of us spins. That sounds almost exactly the opposite of Toronto. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you go to a show, it's packed. And then uh, your, your club night really depends on where it falls in the calendar. Wow. Mm, that's really interesting. It is. Cool. It, it really is because I was just, uh, I was getting memories, Facebook memories of happier times, Laura, the other day from when we did the after party for Boy Harsher. Oh, yeah. That was a year ago yesterday, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we did an after party for Boy Harsher. And since the show was packed, a bunch of people came over and the bar, needless to say, wasn't ready. It was the first time we played at this bar and uh, the bar was dry by the end of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they drank the bar dry, which was uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, there was like three sips of whiskey and some ice left. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, yeah, people don't go to club nights in Toronto uh, unless there's like like the Friday and Saturday are the are the stronghold Thursday nights maybe but they're not it, it's not a sustainable option to do every week and any any other night that are week that it tries to be a weekly uh, running from Sunday to Thursday it's really really difficult so uh, this is where the beauty of the live stream comes because yeah you can tune in at any time and not have to worry about catching a bus to get home or whatever or pants so because yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or you don't have to even put pants on exactly yes <laughs> that's another reason and we didn't mention this so Boston has some um quaint archaic blue laws that um still exist from i don't know the oldie timies and because of that a lot of our bars close super early and i think it's okay like it's tempting for people to go out even on a weeknight for a club night because they know it's over at midnight or one so it's like a short-term commitment and so it's not like oh we have to we feel pressured to be up till four you can kind of still crawl into work the next morning so that does like it makes it harder and easier at the same time to have like a club night. But um, in some ways you're like, okay, like I'm only going out for a couple of hours, like whatever. Okay. I'll go have a few drinks. I'll dance. And so if it's less of a commitment, I think it might lead to why we have like more of a regular, like devoted crowd. Cause they can still be functional at work the next morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Cause uh, I knew that Boston had an early last call. I thought last calls at at two, but then various venues uh, yeah. have different times of when they have a curfew or they have different times of closing or they have a curfew, which yeah. I discovered at Convergence because I didn't realize yeah. I had to stop at one thirty. <laughs> yeah. So the, the two o'clock is like, those are our special bars. Like most of them do not do that. Oh, I see. Wow. Okay. Those are the exceptions. So those are like, yeah, the four o'clocks in other cities or the nevers in other cities. <laughs> um. So way back uh, at Convergence 2, I was on committee for that. 
in Cambridge, clubs used to be 18 plus. They bumped it up to 19 plus like a week or two before Convergence 2. So all the people who came who were 18 suddenly couldn't get in that weekend or we tried to sneak them in or something. I, I don't I don't really remember, but it was a problem. Oh, wow. Um, and around that time, um, Cambridge also made, Cambridge was 1 a.m. Boston was 2 a.m. on, I think, I think Boston was 2 a.m. if you want to be open till 2 a.m., but your liquor license might only be until 1 a.m. And if your liquor license is only until 1 a.m., you're just not going to be open that last hour where all you can serve is like water and soda. Um, so so that's part of the disconnect in Boston. But eventually, like Cambridge um, became uh, 2 a.m. Uh, Thursday through Sunday. Thursday through Saturday or Thursday through Sunday. It was basically like the weekend plus Thursday, whatever. I don't know what they consider Thursday. Um, I think that might still be the case today. Um, so uh, nights in Cambridge are probably still open till 1 a.m. unless it's a weekend night. Um, and then Boston, it depends. Like, Because um, Wonder Bar, where Ceremony used to be, um, uh, their furniture was packed up just this week. They're 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 gone. Uh, that oh, that's where wow. we, that's where we had the Monday after party um, at uh, for convergence. That's the weekly Monday. It's yeah. like, and it really does have a decent attendance for being a Monday night. And so like there are a lot of people who are very upset and disappointed. I mean, I'm sure that the head DJ is already like figuring it out. Yeah. Like shout out to James who is a beast. But. Yeah. Um, but 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 ceremony, you know, would run till one o'clock. And even though uh, Wonder Bar had a liquor license that went till two, there would only be a handful of nights where it was like, oh, we're having like a special night where it's going to go till two a.m. Where like that night was actually open till two. Otherwise, you know, like by one a.m., you know, like a lot of people would. would would cut out on a regular night so there wasn't a point in opening till 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 two um so sometimes it's voluntary that nights close at one in, in boston um and sometimes it's you know the clubs don't want to be open past one o'clock because they can't sell liquor that's interesting because yeah we have last call at two but a bar will generally stay open till about two thirty or sometimes three to give people that opportunity to finish their drinks so that it's not that, okay, hard stop two and now get out. Um, but yeah, uh, also, because I'm wondering with Boston, because the transit stops running at a certain time. Yeah. So public transit, um, like if you want to catch the last bus or train, uh, it's around one o'clock. I think like it, around like 1250 is when it leaves, you know, whatever the main station is going in the direction that it's going. And so depending on how far out you are from um, the the station uh, that that you want to catch, uh, you may have until like 110, 115, whenever, whenever it rolls by. Um, there was for a while a, a program that had buses, uh, certain buses. Uh, including one of the ones that run outside our, our like down the street from our house, uh, run until two or three a.m. and that was amazing when they had that. But um, you know, budget cuts meant that cool things were going away, and so they took took those options out. The Boston had two things against it for having uh, like the subway run all night. One is that uh, since Boston is, I believe, the first subway uh in america um we only have one track uh for for each line and in order for them to do maintenance they have to like pull trains 
into like a little sidetrack and there isn't a whole lot of room. So they don't really like doing that. that that's why they that's why they close down so you can do maintenance at, uh, between basically like, you know, 12 something and and six o'clock in the morning. Um, and the okay. other thing is the taxi union. I mean, taxi unions, you know, hate the subway and they hate, you know, ride shares and, and, and everything. And, and, and we have like the ridiculous medallion system here. And so there's limited number of taxis and they basically have like a monopoly on um, late night transportation. And um, so, you know, they want all the business from people coming out of bars and clubs uh, late at night because they have no other option. Uh, they can drive drunk. They can try and walk home. I would like to point out it happens and I really wish that all my people in Boston would not drink and drive. I swear, hand to God, after this pandemic is over, um, I, I, obviously I haven't had another person in my car who is in my family since the pandemic started, but I will give you all rides home. I promise you do not drink and drive. <sighs> Yeah, I was going to say the medallion system is similar in New York where there's a limited amount uh, and the licensed taxis uh, as far as the late night, um, the late night monopoly. But uh, I was also going to say, uh, yeah, because it's funny with New York uh, back when, because I know DJing, the club would close at four and uh, I'd be lucky if I could catch a cab to go out back home to Queens because their shifts would change at 5 a.m. So did they really actually want to go all the way out to Queens? Maybe not. And then they would refuse me and, and take off or it'd be, it'd be difficult to stand out in the curb uh, at the Bowery and uh, in front of where CBs used to be and and, uh, and try to catch something. But yeah, and also the I, I've definitely seen evidence of uh, folks who would have the audacity to drive home drunk um, between Philly and uh, Wilmington, Delaware, because Wilmington's only a half an hour outside of Philly, you could tell who was driving drunk because everybody's driving really slowly. And you're like, oh shit, this is not good. Like, People so are, are off or like they're not using their blinkers. Like it's really obvious. It's very obvious and it's terrifying. And there's absolutely no reason for that in this day and age. Um, that that anybody would even dream of doing that. Yeah, one. Th speaking about like the shortcomings in the Boston scene, I really wish that that situation were not so common. So, in lighter topics, what's something you guys are crazy about musically that we can maybe drop in? Yeah, what's what's new and exciting that that you're crazy about right now that you want to recommend to folks? I, I, am I just gonna say the new Alchemists? album which um we've been spinning the hell out of um tony do you want to say more about that that that, that was going to be like my first pick as well like it just like the best thing that i've heard in a while it, it's it's like it's like every track is a banger <laughs> pretty much it's like power noise slash tribal like with i don't know how else would you describe what they do for people who don't know who they are like tribal industrial is like that 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 i think is probably the closest so are we talking tribal industrial closer to like a varden sphere or it's not quite as organic sounding as i varden sphere or this morning mina it's a little more techno um a little more upbeat um but just as um just as sort of just as infectious just as like hypnotic um and so it kind of scratches your meditative and your dance itch at the same time. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a, every track does that. <laughs> so it's really hard. Like we did a show a couple weeks ago, right after the album came out, and it was really hard to just just like not play the whole album and make that the show. We were just so obsessed with it that day. Um, we played like a track from that album um, in our last each of our last three shows, I think, <laughs> and we will continue to do so because it's really, really good. Let's drop a track. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Which, which track do you think, Tony? Do we want Math Mayhem or? Yeah, that sounds good.
when we were talking about songs that we end up playing, um, we kind of didn't really talk about songs that like, we are also obsessed with playing. Like I, Juliet am obsessed with playing that Tony's like, please don't play that again. You play the song too much. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, crystal geometry has a song called agent orange, which has a wonderful fuck Trump sample like in it. And it is incredible and upbeat and angry. And, um, I don't know how political you get on this thing, but, um, it's a really rad song, and we do play it a lot on our show. <laughs> Us political? Oh, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Did, <laughs> my my clothing line did design a shirt that says "Goth is political" that you did buy, Juliet. So I, I have no problem with having a song with a fuck Trump sample in it. That sounds wonderful. What you do on this show, like like whether that's separate from like. Oh oh no 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 we did uh we did a new music podcast a couple of weeks weeks back, and we dropped in that new clipping track. With uh, where it just flat out says Donald Trump is a white supremacist, full stop. So we're not shy. Radical left criminals, anarchists. Fuck Trump. Radical left wing groups, arsonists. Fuck Trump. Radical left criminals, anarchists. Fuck Trump.
also think that something that we do on Exile that I don't know, it, it, it's we've been, I'm not really sure how successful it is, although people have noticed we've been trying to feature more female artists as well. So um, I was trying to think of new things. Like there's a lot of amazing new female artists we've been featuring. My favorite uh, new female artist, uh, like no question, is Bedless Bones. They're a band. They're a band out of Estonia. Who 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 knew Estonia made music like this? Um, but it's like a really like great blend of like both like goth and industrial. And there are times when you know she sings in kind of like an etherealish sort of way over industrial beat. It's like really really good. And and the the, the people who have remixed their their material just like top notch.
anyone playing Witch of the Vale too? Um, who are from Scotland? That's like an also amazing female fronted band and like much more like uh like synth poppy gothy.
to ask is when we get to a point where we we don't know what normal is going to be like on the other side of this, uh, but in, in a time when we can travel again, and if folks were to visit Boston, because Boston's a really pretty architectural architecturally is a really beautiful city and there's a lot of gorgeous historical points of interest. What point would would you, what, what particular site would you advise people that they need to see if they happen to be in Boston? That is of like gothy interest. Cause there's so many gorgeous like cemeteries and, and architecturally it, it's a very pretty city. I'd go take a real tour, like at Mount Auburn Cemetery. They give like real guided tours. Um, it's this beautiful historical cemetery, um, and um, it's been around forever. The tombstones are gorgeous. There, there's like also like crazy beautiful wildlife, like like an, it's like a, basically a little arboretum in there. Um, and also the person who gives most of the like 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 the the people one of the people who gives most of the tours and is in charge of a lot of the stuff there is actually a goth, and so it's a very goth friendly like location um you can't do photo shoots there though that's the one thing they don't let you do photo shoots because there's so many rules because it's such a beautiful historical place yeah they, they don't want people like lying down or like touching the the markers or anything like that um i definitely have pictures from <laughs> from photo shoots and picnics and stuff like that in there but um but that, that was that was years and years and years ago <laughs> one's moved back in 2013 that was not years and years ago. I mean, it was seven years ago and not five. So maybe it is. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, how are we already in the middle of October? It's the 20th week of March. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> what else, Tony? Like for, for Boston? Yeah. Like if, if a person has time, like going out to Mount Auburn, which is at the edge of Cambridge and Watertown, you have to take a little bus from um, from Harvard Square to get to, um, is definitely like a beautiful walk if you have time and the weather is cooperative. There's a lot of just like nice, like touristy, like old architecture if you're you're into that. Like I'm, you know, like- A lot of really cool stuff is kind of outside of the city. Like you could go visit Hammond Castle, which is like, is that actually New Hampshire or is that still Massachusetts? No, no, no that, that, that's in um, Marblehead. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah that, that's, that's Massachusetts. That, that's up the coast, um, yeah. a little bit past Salem. Um, so he wanted to build a castle and it's this big, scary looking gothy castle that is just there. That was this old rich guy's home. And now it's a oh. place to It's beautiful. So John Hammond, um, the guy who invented ham radios, that's his, that's his old home. He, he was wealthy from whatever. Um, and he went shopping for cheap castle parts in Europe because, you know, people were just selling off parts of castles. And so he would go to Europe and he'd be like, I would like this wall or I would like this tower or whatever it was. And, um, he would buy it and have it shipped to, um, uh, you know, Marblehead, and uh, he cobbled together his own castle, um, like north of Boston. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, they have like a um, a Halloween. Well, probably not this year, but they usually have a Halloween um, thing there where you know you can kind of go through parts of the castle and there'd be people kind of jumping out at you. You can just go there and visit um, during the summer on the weekends. 
I DJed a friend's wedding there. Was it two years ago now? And so th- that was fun to be able to go into parts of the castle. I wasn't allowed to go into like, you know, as just a regular tourist. And it, it's it's really nice. It's nice and fun. And most people don't know that there's this like Franken castle that's like just north of Boston. Yeah, it's just there. It's really beautiful. I'm just, I, I'm, there's an image coming into my head. Oh, he just got some old castle parts. And it's like, I'm imagining like a shop, just like an old auto parts shop, except it's castle parts. Yeah. Pretty well. <laughs> I mean, how bizarre. Rich um, people. I mean, that's how you get any good architecture, though, right? Like, rich person had a concept and like. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, there's a guy named uh, Phineas Gage. Um, who had like a spike driven through his head, or, or he, he had an accident where oh, a yeah. spike, spike through his head. Um, yeah. you, can, you can see his skull here in Boston. Um, see, that, that's the content Laura wanted. <laughs> this is, you know, I just knew it took a little digging. That's all. Yeah, because I didn't know this stuff last time I was uh, visiting Boston. So I, I, I know the Phineas Gage story. It's, it's a pretty interesting one. Yeah. So the the story, he has a spike driven through his skull because of an accident? Yeah. He was like a railway worker or something, yeah. and he had a spike driven through his skull, and it completely cha- He survived, and it completely changed his personality. And so it um, drove a lot of um, kind of early studies of how the brain makes you you. Yeah. It's, it's of course, very brutal, but that's how all things were back then. Like, oh, look, if I destroy this part of the brain, look, look what happens. <laughs> Yeah, so you can see it at the um the the Warren Museum uh in Boston. Um and it's either like a few dollars to get in or or it might be free. Um but it's really cheap. You can um you can go go downtown and uh go check out Phineas Gage's skull. I didn't even know that, Tony. You haven't shown me that. You've been holding out on me. It was on a conversion <laughs> website. <laughs> she was busy giving birth. Leave her alone. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Um, there, there, there's also, um, a library here that has, um, a book that is bound in human skin, but, uh, I don't believe you can see it. I, I know you have to like ask for like special permission, but then like you have to have like some reason other than like, Hey, I just really want to see this because like that seemed really cool. And they usually don't like allow people to actually see this artifact anymore, but, but it's this like library full of like rare books and it's at the Boston Athenaeum. Athenaeum. Yep. Yeah. That one. Yes. Cool. Yeah. That, that, that's also like downtown actually it, it's, it's near park street, which is um, where we were going to take our like um, fun convergence group photo at Edgar Allan Poe statue that I didn't even know was downtown until like someone like brought it up and we're like, wow, that would be a great place to take this photo. <laughs> Except that there ended up being like, um, like an AIDS walk or cancer walk that day where the start and finish line was actually Boston common, which is where this statue yeah. is. So that's why the group photo ended up being at the hotel because there was no way that anyone could go down into this area. Cause there were oh, sure. like, like tens, if not hundred, like a hundred thousand people like down there stupid cancer <laughs> like all the roads were blocked off um you know everyone had to you know be crowded on the subway and can you imagine like you know 100 200 gots like packed into like subway trains in like the beginning of summer going down there and back like that'd be terrible for everybody <laughs> uh, literally for everybody nobody would be happy no no they would not 
Wow, this is I thank you both so much for taking the time to uh, to join us to do this podcast. It's it's been great to just catch up and chat and again, it's just funny because I think I've had an impression of Boston as just being a really square kind of place because it's a it's a big college town and finding alternative people and finding uh interesting things to do and things of a, of a gothy nature uh, and finding all that stuff took a, a bit of digging. And the more digging that I have done and the more visits I've had to Boston, uh, I, I've been able to meet a lot of really wonderful people. And, and there is a really nice community there. And uh, again, we've both been enjoying your your stream on Thursdays and Sundays. It's possible. Thank you for all of your kind words. Thank you for your amazing stream. Yeah, like it's been a uh, great entertainment like on, on on Friday nights and unfortunately a, a lot of times like I'm not on the chat because um we get an Amazon fresh delivery every other Friday. So I put your podcast on my phone and I just like stick it near the sink where like, you know, we're like cleaning everything. So you guys are on, but I can't like sit there and like type until after <laughs> after I'm done when I can like go to my computer and just be like, okay, I'm done washing. Um, but you guys have been like great entertainment for us on Friday nights. Oh, thank you. Your, your, your own podcast helps me, uh, not podcast, uh, Twitch cast helps me with transit when I'm coming home from work on those nights. I can't even tell you how many times my phone batteries died on the way home, oh, which is why I don't chat much because it's like my phone's already on, on the ropes from being at work all day. And then it's just like, all right, it's dead, but at least I got to hear some new stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to think, uh, the tempers album is something I've bought because you played it. Oh yeah. That, 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 that was a great album. Um, I heard you play, oh man, what, what was it? Um, it was something that I heard someone else play and then I went and bought it because I liked it so much. And then a couple of shows later, um, I, I heard you play it and I wasn't, I didn't know if like you, if, if you had heard it from someone else or if you knew this band beforehand and I just happened to like hear it because now I knew the song. Damn it. I'm going to find this album. Figure Study. Yes. I mean, like it's an old album, but like I didn't discover it until a couple months ago because I heard somebody else play it. And I was like, damn, this is so good. And I checked it out. I'm like, I definitely like this album and bought it immediately. Yes. The song Wait, because yeah. uh, I've mixed that in with Kaylin Mikla because the two songs work together really well. And I was figuring out how to how to mix them together. So but yeah, learning music from others has been really fun. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've gotten some pretty heavy rotation uh, on our shows, too. All right, friends, if you like what you've heard, please be sure to like and share this podcast with others. And you can follow us on Facebook at It's Midnight Somewhere. And we are streaming on Twitch Friday nights. It's either Psalms or Prophecy at uh, twitch.tv slash prophecy underscore online. Be sure to catch Exiled Radio on twitch.tv on Thursday and Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd like to thank Marion Green for the artwork for our logo, as well as Robin Bright for our theme music. And of course, our producer, Justin Minister, who is ever patient with me because sometimes I expect him to read my mind. Thanks for listening. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. It's me.
This podcast was almost called Shadowcast, but then we decided that sounded like a magic card.